Good morning, Saints. So I know some of you panicked when you opened your bulletin and saw 12 pages of notes this morning. Actually, only the first four of the sermon. Uh, you recall that we have asked uh, those of you that are part of our congregation to um, consider staying away from other things this month as far as other broadcasts, podcasts, that kind of stuff. So what we're doing is we're giving you extra information to help make up for that. Uh, so that's what all of those additional pages are there. We can talk more about that, that idea at the family meeting later, but I just want to kind of give you a heads up of what that's all about there. So. And, and I will tell you this, that today's, because this is just an introduction, and I didn't want to step on the toes of the other preachers later that are going to share specific things, a lot of that additional information is not Scripture. Some of it is. But it's quotes from books, things that I normally would kind of intersperse in my sermon. And this sermon was really tough because with that much information, it's like, what do I actually preach and what do I leave for later on? So I'm just kind of telling you what's kind of in there. Some of the other ones I'm sure will have more scripture in there, but this one is not quite that. So let's pray. Father, as we look today at your word, we're inviting you to speak into us once again. We don't... uh, we, we don't know everything that we need to, and so we're inviting you, Holy Spirit, to work in our hearts and our minds, draw us closer to you, and cause us to see with new eyes and new understanding the things that you want us to in order to walk out your kingdom here on earth. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. So this is the first of five plus weeks talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, And right off the bat, I want to say I know that there are uh, some people, not necessarily here, but some people in the church, the greater church, Big C, um, that would say that the gifts of the Holy Spirit passed on, died out when the last of of Jesus' original apostles died. Uh, History would tell us a very different story than that. If you go to the additional notes, you don't have to go there right now, but you'll see lots of historic things that will show you that is not true. And again, for this congregation, that's probably not that big of a deal, but you may want to use that to, to share with others. Uh, the Holy Spirit is still alive, still active in his church, always has been, always will be. want to make sure that we got that. So I'm not really going to address that issue, but I do want to address a related issue. See, most of us here would say that the gifts are still active today, but all too often, we don't act like it. We have a tendency to base our our theology on our experience. Alan Craft, in the book that I quoted a couple of times last time I preached more when a little bit of the Spirit isn't enough, he said this, if we're not careful, we can settle into a functional deism where we say we believe in God's power to heal, but we rarely if ever pray boldly and expectantly for healing to happen. Whew, I don't know about you, but I was convicted when I read that. I mean, if we really believe it, Why aren't we doing it? See, we have a tendency, I think, we look around, we don't see the miracles that we see in the life of Jesus or even in those early apostles' lives. And so we, because we don't see that happening now, we tend to think, well, that's that's fine. And and God does that kind of thing, just not, not so much. That shouldn't be the norm today because we don't experience it. And yet I look at those early disciples and it was the norm. And I'm thinking maybe we're missing something. 
Dr. Ramsey McMullen, a professor of history and classics at Yale University, he said that early Christians took miracles quite for granted. That was the general starting point. Not to believe them would have made you seem more than odd. I have this feeling that if you and I were translated back to earlier times, even past Jesus' original uh, early apostles, that we would seem more than odd. Sorry. Because we're not expecting it. And, and it, to me, it's a, it's a mindset. It's an expectancy. Do we really expect these things to happen? And that's what we're going to address over the next several weeks. Now, I said we're going to be looking at the gifts. We're going to be looking mostly at, um, over the next several weeks, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8, 9, and 10, where the gifts are listed out there. And, uh, you know, I, I know I've said in the past this is not a complete list, but it is the list that's given us in Scripture. So I think if we hang out there for a while, we're going to be on pretty safe ground, all right? Um, but just to give us a little bit more context, I want to look at right now verses 4 through 11, 1 Corinthians 12. Now, there are varieties of, gifts, varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, I want to look at, at verse 7 here because I think this is important for us to get. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given the manifestation for the spirit, of the Spirit for the common good. The message translation puts it this way. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. My paraphrase of that particular verse would go like this. Everyone gets something for the benefit of all. I don't care what translation you look at, it says everybody is in on it. Each person gets something. Nobody's left out. Now, I'll admit, I don't know what gift, you, or, gift or gifts you might have personally. It might be very similar to something that I've got. It may be very different or someplace in between those two extremes. I don't know exactly how God has gifted you, but I do know for sure that he has given you at least one gift and probably more. Everybody gets something. Very similar in verse 11 says the same thing. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he's will. To each one, everybody gets something. I mean, think about it. You're a temple, a dwelling place of the living God. So of course his gifts are gonna be manifested through you. That's just natural. I don't wanna get to the end of the series and have somebody sitting here going, well, that was for somebody else. Those things are, are belong to other people. No, no, everybody is in on this, guys. Now, the God who said that he gives each one is the same God who gives each one something. He's not just talking about it, he's actually doing it. And again, maybe you haven't discovered what it is yet. I don't know, but it's there. I promise you, God promised it in his word. Youngest to oldest, everybody is included. See, the only way that we get the gifts is if we're connected to the giver if we're in right relationship with the Father. I mean, think about it. When we, and how many times have we heard this 
over the course of this year that we are his children, that he's our father. If we're in right relationship because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his death and resurrection, we have been put in right relationship with the father, then of course he gives us the gifts that he gives to his kids. We get them. And I said last time that it's not based on maturity. I have seen people whose lives are a mess who are expressing amazing gifts. And I'll be honest, if, if, if I was God, I don't think I would have done it that way. But fortunately for all of us here, I am not God. That's right. He chose to distribute his gifts regardless of, of age, of gender, of race, of financial situation, of intelligence or maturity. They are indeed grace gifts, really. It's like salvation. It's been given to you as a free gift. You get it. Okay, but let me, let me add a, a little addendum here. Even though it is free, even though you do get it for nothing, that doesn't mean you just get to sit on it and not do anything with it. And what, did, what did Paul tell Timothy? To, to stir up that gift, to use it. Don't just sit there with it, Timothy. Use it. So we can learn. We can grow in these things, all right? So there is a, a level of maturity that comes in in using them, but that comes over time. The gift is already there, regardless. Does that make sense? And, and the, the way that we're going to learn and grow in these things is by spending time with Holy Spirit. I actually thought maybe I should do a, an audio recording called Hearing the Spirit's Voice and have like two hours of silence. <laughs> right? I mean, in our society, it's just, there's so much going on, so much noise to just sit and listen to the Holy Spirit. And, and I understand um, we, we should be in his word. Yes, that's a big part of it. But at the same time, when the word is there, we need to be listening to the Spirit's voice in the midst of that. So, so if you understand that all of us have been given at least one gift, think about it like this. If you're a parent and you have kids, um, I guess those two go together, don't they? Uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm a parent without kids. Huh. Okay. Um, the, then there was a time when you understood your child better than they understood themselves. You know what I'm talking about if you're a parent, okay? Like, you know, you know your kid is tired, and the kid's going, I'm not tired, and three minutes later, they're out cold, right? So you know your child better than they know themselves, and you give your child a present, Maybe it's not something they've asked for, but something you know is going to be beneficial to them and they're going to enjoy it over the long term. So you give that gift to your, your child and the next day you walk into the room and it is on the shelf in the closet where they can only get to if they take the little step stool over there and put it up there. So clearly this is not something they are intending to use anytime in the near future. How do you as a parent feel at that point? Right, yeah, exactly. And I think that's how God feels when we refuse to use the gifts that he has given us. But, but think about it the other way. I think it brings great joy to his heart when we express those gifts, when we use those gifts that he has given us because it's gonna make a difference not only for us but for other people. Okay, I mentioned that over the next several weeks we're gonna be talking about verses eight, nine, and 10 
There, the gifts that are listed are the utterance or word of wisdom, the utterance or word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And again, I don't think this is an exhaustive list. I think this is just, you know, Paul kind of listing out some, some really important primary gifts here. But let me say this. We have, at our home group, we have been watching a video series by uh, Brady Boyd. He is the pastor of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. And it's called The Holy Who. It's about the Holy Spirit. And uh, Brady uh, uh, defines the gifts of the Holy Spirit like this. The Holy Spirit at work through us to glorify Jesus and to help people. The Holy Spirit at work through us to glorify Jesus and to help people. I think that's a pretty good definition of the gifts. See, somebody said that as a Christian, you are a gateway to the supernatural. You're a doorway that gives people a glimpse into the kingdom of God. And it's true. Let that sink in. You are a doorway that gives people a glimpse into the kingdom of God. You really are. That's part of, of, of why we use the gifts, because people get to see God at work. We're part of his body. I mean, it makes sense. The kingdom is more fully established as those gifts are going out and working in, in the church and in culture. So as the guy who has talked more about community and unity than anybody else here, let me, let me tell you something that I think is really important in all of this. Um, the Apostle Paul talked more in the New Testament than anybody else except Jesus about the Holy Spirit. And I find it interesting that almost all of Paul's teaching about the Holy Spirit is in the context of the community of the believers, the gathering of believers. Now, it doesn't stay there, okay? Clearly, in the book of Acts, they went out and used those things, okay? But this is where we, we learn, we grow, we, we experience those things so that we can then go out and use them. Are you with me? And along with that, in community, there is a can I say a collectiveness to our faith? You know, I was talking to, to Warren the other night and both of us agreed, it is a whole lot easier for us to pray for somebody else's healing than for our own. It just is. And so we need that collectiveness of faith. We, we need that community, if you will. And, and let me add something else that I think is important. When you're praying for somebody, it can be a good practice. I'm not saying this is emphatic. It's just a good practical practice, if you will, to have somebody or maybe several somebodies praying along with you. Alan Craft said it like this. I try to pray in a team whenever possible. Multiple people listening in prayer helps lessen the sense of pressure we feel to always hear the Spirit. I mean, why did Jesus send out his disciples in twos? So they didn't have to do it all by themselves. So it can be good to have other people praying with us when we're doing those kind of things. Now, since this is an introduction, um, I, I feel like part of what I, I need to do here is just kind of give you a couple of glimpses behind the curtain, just a couple of ideas of this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start, I'm going to talk about the word, what I call the word gifts, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and prophecy, just kind of lumping those together. Uh, those are things that I'm a little bit more familiar with. I said... Um, probably the last couple of times that I preached, that oftentimes the voice of Holy Spirit is disarmingly natural. 
that we don't even necessarily immediately recognize it as Holy Spirit talking to us. I remember, it was just a couple years after Barb and I got married, I had this uh, urge to, to write a letter to a former teacher of mine from high school. He was the guy that led us into the baptism of the Spirit. He, uh, he, he's actually the reason that we're even here in Missouri. And so I wanted to, to just thank him for the impact that he had had on my life. Um, and so I wrote him a letter. And I'll be honest, I don't, in thinking back on it, I don't remember so much that it was a, a strong, this is God saying do this, as just a, a, an urge that I needed to do it. As I look back on it now, I recognize that it was Holy Spirit teaching me to hear his voice. Because he got that letter, and in the same week, he also received another letter from a former student, encouraging him about what an impact he had made in his life. Well, unbeknownst to both of us who wrote the letters, that man was considering quitting teaching because he didn't think he had ever had any impact. Holy Spirit works through us oftentimes in just those seemingly natural ways to get us to do the things that he wants us to do. And if we'll pay attention, amazing things can happen. God imparts things to people through the gifts of the Spirit as we allow him to speak through us. Remember uh, Paul talking to Timothy, t telling him that he needed to, to use the gift that was, was put into him through the prophecy and the laying on of hands. There's something that's imparted as we use those gifts imparted to other people. Many years ago, there's a woman uh, that had a very strong prophetic ministry. None of you here would know her, so don't try to figure it out. Um, she gave me a word that, um, that I was like a, a, a peg in a hole, like in a game, you know, the proverbial square peg in a round hole. Only I was a round peg in a round hole, only the hole was really big, too big for me. And she didn't know what I was going through in my life at that time, but she hit it exactly on the head. She said, you're going to grow into that thing. But then she continued, she said, that's going to keep happening to you over and over and over again throughout your life. Well, she had no idea. I can't tell you how many times God has spoken to me through that word. I remember standing on a platform teaching thousands of people going, what on earth am I doing? I am out of my league here. And God going, it's okay, I'm with you. Remembering that word that God gave to me. Something was imparted through that word. Are you with me? That the, the, the letter that I wrote to that guy, it didn't just encourage him. Something was imparted in the spiritual sense that changed him. I think it's, it's not unlike the, the creative speaking, if I can say it this way, that God did when he spoke creation into being. As his children, you and I have the opportunity to speak newness of life and wholeness and new vision and, and healing and creativity and so much more into other people by the power of the Spirit. There's something of God and his kingdom that's being imparted. Now again, I said more than once now that not everything that comes into our mind is from the Holy Spirit, okay? I get that. But at the same time, to simply dismiss everything that comes into our mind I think it's going too far the other direction. If, if after all, if we have the mind of Christ, I think we ought to be paying attention. 
I think we ought to be tapping into that, if you will. So, so test it. Pray into it. Holy Spirit, is this you speaking at this point? Let me give you another example. The, uh, one of those word gifts, word of knowledge. Um, the video series that I mentioned, Brady Boyd, he's pastor of New Life Church, Colorado Springs. He said that at one point he knew his teenage son was really struggling with something, but he wasn't sure exactly what it was, and his son wouldn't talk to him about it. So they're sitting at lunch at a restaurant one day, and Brady asks his son, if, if, if Holy Spirit shows me what it is, will you talk to me about it? And the son thought, yeah, I would do that. So the son gets up, goes to use the restroom. Brady prays right there in the restaurant, Holy Spirit, show me what this is, and he did. Son comes back. He lays it all out for the kid. His son was absolutely dumbfounded. But that's what Holy Spirit does. That's, it's it's the, that word of knowledge. It's, it's, it's putting something into us that we don't have uh, without him. It's giving us information, knowledge, that we, don't on our own, that we haven't on our own gained. Are you with me? And that's what happened at that point. Uh, another great illustration, some of you might remember um, a former student of Christian Outreach School of Ministries, Roy Libby. I actually talked to Roy this last week to make sure that this was correct information. He had told a story when he was here. He had, before coming here, he had been an engineer with Kodak. At the time, Kodak was, was this company that was on the rise, just doing amazing, amazing things. And uh, there was a group of engineers, a group of Christian engineers there at Kodak who whenever they came up against something that they weren't sure what to do, how do I handle the situation, they would get together and pray. And Roy said every single time God would show them the answer. He said that many of the innovations that Kodak came out with were because those Christian engineers getting together to pray. And some of you are going, well, how does that happen or how does that work in the kingdom of God? Well, that's the heart of God. He's wanting to, to, to further his kingdom, to take it into every area of our lives. Why did Jesus turn water into wine? There's nothing spiritual about that. He's showing that he's a good father, that he loves his people, that he cares about us. And that's what he wants to do in every single one of us, whether it's here in the a service or out in the world, wherever we're at. Like Dan said, praying for the, the guy at Walmart or whatever. All right, so that's kind of a quick snippet on word-type gifts. Let me, I want to talk real quickly, much shorter, about faith, healing, and miracles just for a minute. Ultimately, we need to understand we're talking about those things that healing comes from God. If we want to see people healed, then our focus needs to be on him not on the healing. Ken Blue said it this way, the faith to be healed and to pray for the sick is nothing other than childlike trust in the loving character and purpose of our Heavenly Father. True Christian faith in all its expressions looks away from self to God and what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. The real question is not, do I believe strongly enough to be healed or to pray for the sick, but is God the sort of person I can trust and am I willing to be open to his love? What a great perspective. And, and, and I think the real question is, are we approaching our Father in a childlike trust? Lord, I know that you want what's best for me. 
I know what you, that you want what's best for this person. I, I, I can trust your character. I know what you're like. See, when we do that, that's faith. Ultimately, healing is God's responsibility. Our job is to pray in faith, even speak in faith, and to trust him in the midst of it. When we do that, you know what? All the pressure is off of us. The responsibility is God's. It's not ours. It's God's. Not long ago, the elders watched a, a short video, and one of the people in the video is this guy who's been used all over the place in healing ministry. And he said, if I pray for 99 people and none of them gets healed, I'm gonna pray for ni- number 100 just like the first 99 got healed. And I like that idea because, see, his confidence isn't in what he sees. His confidence is in his heavenly father. We, we walk by, hey, amen. Now, again, this is only an introduction. So I'm going to do one more big thing here um, that I think is important for us to understand. It's kind of a framework that, that others, as we're going through these things the next few weeks, can, can help build on. We've talked, you guys have heard the, the terms um, types and shadows. Uh, in the Old Testament, there are things that happened that were types and shadows of New Testament realities, things that, that were precursors, foreshadowing of things that were to come. The, the most obvious of those is the, the Old Testament sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins, that was just the beginning of the reality of Jesus, the real Lamb of God being slain so that our sins could be forgiven. There's lots of those kind of things. Don't have time to go into all of them. But one of the biggest ones that you can see again and again is the Old Testament Israelites and how their lives kind of parallel our lives here. You know, they were, they were, they were brought out of slavery and we were brought out of slavery to sin. They were, they were taken through the Red Sea. The Bible says that corresponds to our baptism. I mean, there's just so many things. But one of the things that I think we often overlook in those parallels between the Old Testament Israelites and us is that God told them he was going to give them the promised land, but he wasn't handing it to them on a silver platter. They had to work. They had to go in and fight. They had a job to do in the midst of taking that. And you and I are in the same boat. We have a role to play today. God's just not going to wipe everything out of our lives. We're his co-laborers, 1 Corinthians 3, 9. It says that we're God's fellow laborers. Paul In Romans 15, he said, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. We work, we do all that we know how to do, but ultimately it's God that's working through us. It's not our our strength, our abilities, it's God. I mean, think about it, why is that? We're we're new creatures in him. We're part of his body and therefore he is strengthening us to do the things that we do. It's not our abilities, it's it's God's strength, God's might in us. So that, that Old Testament story, one of the things that God told them when they were going into the promised land, one of the primary things he said was they needed to drive out the people that were there, the enemies that were there. They didn't do it. Judges chapter one, you've got a whole bunch of scriptures listed there. 
What does it say over and over and over there? Did not drive out, did not drive out, did not drive out, did not drive out. Again and again and again. God told them to do it, but they didn't do it. God even told them, don't worry about the, the seeming military might that they have. Joshua chapter 17, for you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have chariots of iron and though they are strong. God's saying, don't worry about those things. I've got this. I'm with you. I'm not going to let you fail. Don't worry about their chariots of iron. That's what he's saying, right? Did they listen to that? Mm-mm. Judges chapter 1, the Lord was with Judah and he took possession of the hill country, but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the plain because they had what? Chariots of iron. Just exactly what God had said earlier. Don't worry about those things, but they got scared and they didn't do it. So what happened as a result? Numbers 33. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then those of them whom you let remain shall be as barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall trouble you in the land where you dwell. And that is exactly what happened to the Israelites in the Old Testament. I mean, how much of the Old Testament story is made up of, of stories about those people that they didn't drive out who were then attacking them, invading them, threatening them over and over and over again. We see that they were indeed exactly what God said, barbs in their eyes and thorns in their side. Why? Because they didn't do what God had told them to do. I, I want to say this. Their disobedience did not negate God's love for them. And if they were looking to the coming Messiah as their savior, it also did not change their eternal destiny. But what it did change was what they were able to accomplish and how they lived. Are you following me? They didn't complete the task that God had told them to do. And I think you and I struggle oftentimes the same way. It's an issue of faith. Jesus made a mind-boggling promise, John 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. The works that I do and greater works than these, greater than healing the sick and raising the dead, greater than walking on water and cleansing lepers and, and, and healing blind eyes, greater? But Jesus said it. It's got to be true. So why don't we see it happening? I think the simple answer is we don't believe it. We have allowed those, those enemies of unbelief and doubt to hang around and not driven them out, if you will. We have become accustomed to, to things like sickness and disease. They have become, oh, may, maybe, maybe we see them as, as less than positive experience, but they still become normal in our eyes. We have become accustomed to not hearing the voice of Holy Spirit speaking to us in the midst of all of the noise and Go, go, go in our society. But how do we honestly read scriptures like the Lord who heals all our diseases, the one who sent his word to bring us healing, 
the one who redeemed us from the curse, the one who said that we would do greater miracles than these. How do we read those honestly and think that the lives that we're living really are what we're supposed to be living? I don't know about you, but I struggle with that. Jesus told us, Matthew 11, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. The, the NIV makes that a little bit easier to understand. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. In the Lord's might, we need to be forceful and lay hold of the kingdom of God to take him at his word, to believe the truth of it. God has given us a job. It's like the Israelites in the Old Testament To bring his kingdom more fully, more completely into the world. To not let it stop. Not halfway, not the whole job. We, we, could, we could not do that. I totally get that. And it's not, if we don't do that, then it's not going to change God's love for us. Or if we know Jesus is our Savior, it's not going to change our eternal destiny. But what it will change is what we're able to do and accomplish here and now. Just like the Old Testament Israelites. He's given us the tools that are necessary. He's given us the, his eternal word. He's given us the gifts of the Holy Spirit to accomplish these things. And that's only because of his grace. These are grace gifts, all right? Not because we're somebody special. But what I want to challenge us and encourage us over the next few weeks as we look at these things, I want us all to be praying honestly, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in the midst of this? What should this mean for me as a person? How should this be affecting my life? Let me close by saying this. I know there are some here who when you fill up your gas tank in your car, you wanna see how far that will go. You are coasting into the gas station after the last fumes have been used up and you're just barely rolling in there because you want to see how far you can go. If you want to do that with your car, that's one thing. If you want to do it with your spiritual life, that's a very different thing. I mentioned a few weeks ago that being filled up with the Holy Spirit is not a one-time permanent thing in our lives. If we really want to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit happening, then we need to be consistently and regularly filling up, if you will, allowing him to speak into our lives and hearing his voice. Not, not living on the fumes from past memories of what he did before, but Holy Spirit, I need you now. Let's pray. Lord, we are, we are grateful for the truth of your word and today I know I have been convicted as I put this together We're asking that you would empower us to live out the way that you want us to, to, to not be half-hearted, but instead to trust fully in you, in your promises, in your word, relying on you, Holy Spirit, to be leading and guiding us in every situation that your kingdom might be more fully extended into the world the way that you want it to. We're trusting that you will make that more and more of a reality in us 
And especially now over the next few weeks as we look at these gifts, Holy Spirit, have your way in us. Amen.